I think we all can agree that life is hard and it hits us in the roughest of ways, but somehow we keep getting up and moving forward. How do we do that? Have you ever lost a loved one or got diagnosed with something so gnarly? Got your heart broken? Just had so many rough things happen. How do we get up? How do we look for the light at the end of the tunnel? Well, you know what? We're going to find out together. We're going to go looking for it. This podcast, In Search of Hope, with me, Ugo, we'll be together on this journey. And if all else fails, we'll have each other. In Search of Hope podcast. Let's do it. <sighs> okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm doing it. I'm recording. If I can be honest with you, though, I I don't feel like it. Straight up. I do not feel like recording right now, but I have to. We don't have to, but I should. And the reason I don't feel like recording, one, because I I want to be selfish right now. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want to lay down. You know, we had, just came back from church, you know, bringing the equipment, setting up and blah, 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 and, you know, singing. All, all that takes, takes a lot out of you. It's Sunday. I want to rest. And I say to myself, um, but Ugo, you know, you got to, you got to record. You need to be consistent with this podcast. And I'm saying to myself, well, I don't have to do anything. I don't need to do it. And then you hear, you know, when you when you know you're supposed to do something or you should be doing something and you can't have any peace because you know you should be doing that thing while you're trying to do something else. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's what is happening or that's what is going on. And I was thinking to myself, okay, Ugo, why don't you want to record? Is it because you're lazy? No, that's not it. I realize it's because... Okay, maybe a little bit of... Nah. It's probably selfishness. And self-preservation. You see, because recording this podcast is going to make me go back... To a place in my life where I was just a mess and trying to figure out how the heck do we get out of this or how long does this, how long do we have to endure for? And now I'm willingly walking myself back there. But I know I have to, right? And you're probably thinking, okay, I know I hinted towards it and I said something in the, in the last, in the last episode. But I didn't really go into detail. I didn't really break down what was going on. So here, okay, so here's the situation. Here's the situation, y'all. When my dad got sick and everything was happening, I remember kneeling, not kneeling, bending, resting on the kitchen sink. That's exhausted. I think I had just come back from the emergency room and I dropped them off and, uh, or came back from somewhere. I was on the hospital related and it was just me in the crib. It's like 2 a.m. or something crazy. 
I remember looking up and saying, God, what in the world is going on? This is just too much. And as a primary caretaker, you know, having worked in an oncology hospital, now at the time was a nursing student. Um, I was, you know, and I lived with my dad, so we lived together. So it made sense for me to be the primary caretaker. But man, all the stuff that comes with that and those that are listening who are in that situation, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And even if you're not the primary caretaker, even if you're involved, well, if you're not the primary caretaker and you know somebody that is, make sure you're loving and encouraging them and, and helping them with whatever they need because it takes everything you have to take care of a loved one. And the crazy thing is, is that the majority of us or a good percentage of us are going to be in this situation eventually. How am I so sure about that? Well, people live and people die. And as we get older and as technology and medicine advances, people die slower. You see, old school, in olden times, because medicine wasn't so advanced, somebody would get sick and then someone would die. Or sometimes you get sick and then sometimes you get better. But the, the, the process was a lot quicker. Now, with technology... And as medicine has moved forward, we can extend this process. And now it takes a little while. The, the, that, that process is drawn out. I'm not sitting there saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, medicine has done so many wonderful things. That's great. But there are other things that are now coming up that we have to deal with that medicine can't deal with. This is the real social aspect of dying. And of taking care of a loved one who is dying. And I'm learning that we don't die alone because the family that we leave are still in this process. Dying is a team sport. Or it can be. Maybe it should be. Ideally, people shouldn't die alone. But it happens. Shouldn't though. Or who am I to say what we should or shouldn't do. I'll just say ideally. I'll say for me and my family, I'm very glad that my father didn't die alone. Now, sometimes we think when someone dies alone, is it just someone in the room with them or not? I don't, nah, that's not it. That's not it. We can get into that later. I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm going down, I'm going, I'm going down a, another rabbit hole. And these rabbit holes go so far, bruh, that this whole conversation can get convoluted. But bring back to my main point, I'm recording this because when I was in that kitchen, I knew, I remember thinking, I wish there was an outlet. I, I, I needed to connect with someone who, who, who just understood or felt it. And I know I, I remember I will reach out to, um, some of my, you know, closest friends who, you know, Stephen, who, um, whose dad had passed in 2017. I, I'd hit him up. I hit up Isaac, who's a, he's an emergency room doctor, pediatrics. So when, and you know, um, I think he lost his grandma pretty recently. So when it comes to tragedy and hardship, Isaac knows 
he can, yeah, he can walk you through some things. And, you know, talking, you know, as a clinician, giving me the real. Um, but as a friend, as a close friend, it's, it's a, it's a crazy balance how that one goes. Um, and they looked out for me and people continue, continually looked out for me. And I thought to myself in that kitchen, I was like, when, when I come out of this somehow, I'm going, I'm going either write a book or have a podcast and talk to people because people who are in this situation need other people to reach back out to them and help them get through this and carry them through. I said that and I meant it. And we even recorded a couple podcast episodes. But then things get, I don't know. Like I said, I'm, maybe some of those will come out. Maybe they won't. But I stopped because it got too real. I was, I, I, I was too preoccupied. I was preoccupied with my emotions, what I'm going through. And, you know, I'm in, I was starting my nursing orientation on a crazy hard unit. There was no... Bro, I accepted, I accepted my job offer as an oncology nurse two weeks. Matter of fact, I think I accepted it. No, I started orientation two weeks after my dad died. Two weeks, dog. Two weeks. Bro, I remember being in orientation and seeing, you know, people going around saying, you know, why you became a nurse, why you came to this hospital, and blah, blah. And I would say, um, yeah. Well, I knew I wanted to be a nurse anyway, but part of the reasons I'm glad just to be here because, you know, my dad had cancer and he passed two weeks ago. And, and when I say that, the, the, the craziness of it would hit me. Like, I remember someone said, uh, they asked me, are you sure you want to accept this job offer or do you want to take some time off? Well. According to my pockets, I need to take this job now. Bro, I need to take this job now. There ain't no time off. Time off. You're talking, my time off is my train ride home. So the reason why I was struggle, why I was struggling to record is because it says the good you know you ought to do, but but you don't do it. Because I don't want to revisit. But I know that it needs to happen. And and I and I, I come across, I see a lot of my friends, a lot of people I know just experiencing these crazy situations. And I know just talking to somebody, just talking to somebody or having somebody talk about it, just it, it lit up my heart. Like my heart would just like yes yes please let's talk and you know it's another funny thing that we often miss check this out we as people are so more we're more similar than we would we ever realize someone that you would think you have no business knowing or being having any connection to you can have a major connection why? Because we're all human and we all share that same human condition. And what is that human condition that I'm talking about? That we live and that we die. So imagine how easy it is to connect to somebody who's going through that same hurt. Haven't you ever been hurt? Have you ever had your heart broken? 
and you talk to somebody else that helps you walk, that walks you through this heartbreak, man, you appreciate that person. You share a deep connection because of hurt, because of love. You share that connection. Man, let me tell you, let me tell you the story. I, I told this story at my dad's funeral. So we were, we were at Calvary Hospital. It's inpatient hospice. And me, my sister, my girl, we're leaving. And, um, you know, before I exit, there's this middle-aged white gentleman, whitish, grayish hair. And um, I'm about to exit. And I say, oh, no, you first. And then he says, oh, no, I insist, you first. I'm like, oh, cool. So I go out. And I see him just kind of like, then, you know, we're outside. And um, it happens to be a nice night. Anyway, he's kind of just standing there. And I, there's a look in his eyes. Um, just the hurt. And it's just that that stare that you that you have. Where you just come from seeing someone that you love and there's nothing you can do about. And it's killing you inside to sit there and watch them die. And you just have to step outside to get some air just to leave or something. He had, this, he had that look. And I know that look because I shared the same look. So I went over to him. I said, um, I said, who are you here for? He said, my mom. I said, yeah, I'm here for my dad. And through choked up tears, he says, it doesn't matter how old they are. It's just so hard. I said, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then I hugged him. We hugged. And I, um, and we done, I looked at him in his eyes and I said, take care. I said, yeah, you too. It's connection. It's a complete stranger. I don't know what his religious beliefs are. I don't know what his political affiliations are. But what I do know is that we shared a major similarity at that moment. Someone we loved was dying. There was nothing we can do about it but visit and sit and be with them. That humbles you out. It also opens you up to love and encouragement. And I thought, wow. Say me and that guy, we didn't have any other similarities. That right there is a huge starting point to recognizing someone else's humanity. How I would treat him would ultimately always be different. Because I recognize the human in him. Or I recognize the me in him. Sometimes you forget that other people are people too. Sometimes you think it's just us and our circle. And when we... You know, we see people on the road driving and once we pass them, it's like they disappear and they no longer exist. No, that person is the whole person too. Now, for those who are in that situation, you're just coming from it, man. Um, it's rough. It's rough. There ain't no secret to it. I would sit there and wonder, like, what is the trick to getting through this? There's no trick, bro. Sis, whoever, you know, listen, whoever needs to hear it, there's no trick. And I think I got accustomed to something, to learning that some things just suck and that's it. And you just have to just endure. But how can we endure? Maybe we got to talk. You got to talk. You got to talk to somebody. You got to. You got to. 
Some things are just too much for you to deal with by yourself. I mean, I was, a, I mean, I was taking care of a patient one day and I was, you know, overhearing a conversation on, a, on another side and, you know, patient was, was terminal and, you know, a patient was going to hospice and I remember her daughter was crying and she said, um, she said, I mean, I just don't, I just don't. I, I, I just, it's so hard to just see her like this, and uh, and I don't know if it would be better, if, you know, it just happened in a car crash and it just it would happen quick. I remember thinking, there is no good answer or easy answer to that one. First of all, she wasn't even talking to me, so I don't have to answer it, you know. Imagine if I just burst in a room and said, oh, well, here's my two cents. It's like, get out of here, guy. No one's talking to you. And also, those are questions, you know, you don't, don't answer that. Because there is no answer. Because they're both horrible. They're both horrible. You know? Like, well, on one hand, if someone, if we pass away quickly, the shock is the shock. But now is maybe people don't have to watch us slowly wither away. But there's no answer for that. I don't dare even venture on talking about that because I know people who've lost loved ones in just incredibly mind-blowing ways that you would think this is not serious. I mean, serious. This is not reality. This is not, this is not real, bro. This is not real. And you know what's crazy? The videos that we share on social media that show people dying in, in, in rough, horrific ways or tragedies, we sometimes forget or we often forget that these people have families and they see the reposting and they see the tweets and they see the comments and they see all that and it just breaks them further and further. Imagine a loved one lost their life and other people are just posting those pictures and stories willy-nilly. Maybe I'll be able to talk to a friend who who I'm thinking about. We'll be able to connect with her and you can hear her story. Hey, man. Just thinking about it. Yeah. So... We need to talk. We need to talk. So if you're currently going through it, keep talking. Keep searching. We can't do it alone. Someone asked me the other, you know, one day, well, how does grief feel? That's <sighs> different for everybody. But I know for me, it felt like drowning. It felt all-consuming. Just thinking about it. Man, and it is, it is a crazy thing. Even I'm so repressed, I struggle to remember that. It's May. This thing happened, my dad passed away in November. But I had the grief all the way before then, up until, geez. Technically, it's still there, but I just have, I'm so, I think it's blocked in such a way where it's like, I can't remember. I don't know. 
And geez, I know our brains block out certain things so we can operate, but man, is that something I want to forget? When I forget per se, just block out. Is that something I want to be hazy? No. Or yes. At the moment, maybe I did. If I could be honest. I became... I used to... <laughs> I used to call myself the king of disassociation. I'd probably do an entire episode about that. Disassociation. I'm going to separate the emotion from the facts of what's going on right now. Bro, I, I will visit my dad in some gnarly situations in the hospice hospital. I would see him in some crazy, some crazy situations because that's what the dying process looks like. It's not, it's not clean. It's not pretty. Often it's just sometimes it's raw. It's raw and it's rough. And I remember I would have to study for my NCLEX which is a nursing exam to get your license. This is no joke. You bust your butt in school for 15 months, not even including the prereqs. You got to kill this test. I got, I need this, and I needed to pass this test. It needed to happen. I got everything riding on it because my dad, I don't know how much longer he has. I'd rather pass this test while he's still here. So I got one shot. And um, I needed to disassociate because I couldn't study while hurting. And my mind be too preoccupied about what's going on in front of me. Before things took, I mean, things would take, there was just a gradual decline, but there was a point where I, I would, I'd be in the hospital room and I'd be studying, got my iPad out, just going through questions, questions, or just studying, doing whatever. Um, then it came to a point where it was like, oh, nah, I can't study in here. What I'm looking at is too gnarly. What I'm feeling is just too crazy. I can't, I can't study. Or I try and I'm like getting all these wrong answers, all jacking up, and it's like, bro, I gotta, I gotta disassociate. I can't, I, I can't do it like this. And then you become successful with disassociation. And I had to do it at work. Oh, 100 percent Here's a rough thing that I, I learned. I to, here's a just a rough truth. Life sometimes, uh, oftentimes life don't care about what you hurting about. And I know that's what people tell you. I'm sure my big brother told me that one time. Like, it sounded like something he'd say. Mr. Sochima as a, at Instagram. Just plug. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. And, and, I, and I see it because I be trying to take care of patients, right? on orientation and I think the day before my dad's funeral I was at work yeah to say I made a few mistakes that day would be an understatement but it's like you don't even know you're off your game you just think you're enduring pushing through and people looking on the outside and it's like yo what is going on and then when they heard what was going on like, oh, okay. But I had to figure out a way to, to continue because nothing was going to change. My dad wasn't coming back. My situations, I still got to come out here and perform and, and be present. And, and it's not just like I'm, I'm moving numbers around where you got to perform at your job, you got to do this, you got to do that. People's lives are at stake. 
Do you, you know, you know what I'm saying? People's lives are at stake. I got to be reading these orders correctly that the doctors are ordering or how this drug needs to be administered. If I'm just going through my motions in my head, you take a needle, you get some, you know, um, you get some Lasix, which is a diuretic, and you got to push it through their IV. But if you're like on, on just, bro, on, on what, what mode is that? You know, where it's just autopilot. There you go. That's a mode. If you're on autopilot, bro, and you're thinking, well, maybe early in the day I've been given... Uh, I've been giving a lot of uh, sub-Q injections that's into the fat, into people's fats, like your insulin, your Lovenox, that sort of thing. If you're on autopilot, you find yourself doing that until you snap out of it. It's like, whoa, whoa, what am I about to do? This ain't no joke, especially when your patients are already sick, very sick. You got to shut that other thing off because you got to operate. You gotta operate. And it's unfortunate that it's unfortunate that that's just what it is. Now you can be real and talk to your peoples when you get out of there. Please be real. Please get what you need. Please talk to people. Please recharge. Cause just know that when you get back out there, not everybody's gonna have grace for you. Not everybody's gonna have that hand extended waiting or be willing to give you hugs. Some people just don't care. But that's okay, because there's a lot of people who do care. So don't worry about those who don't. Surround yourself with those who do. Take care of yourself, because it hurts not going anywhere. And how you manage yourself through this time, it allows you better, it allows you to manage better, your health better. I know it sounds easy to say, take care of yourself, and I know it's hard. I know it's hard, but you're worth it. You, you're worth the effort to take care of yourself. So I'm gonna follow my advice. I'm gonna drink me some water. I'm gonna take a nap. I'm maybe gonna try to strum some some chords on that guitar. Maybe we're going to plan a worship list or a set list for our upcoming singles devotional in the city. We're going to have a good time. You got to do the things you love, baby. You got to do the things you love. And that's what I love. And I'm going to love learning how to come here each week and talk to y'all. Peace.